Good afternoon or evening or morning whenever you happen to be watching this because we only have 10 people right now that are actually online here. So again, you're at Anchored at Hope with Father Larry Richards. And I don't know what's going on here. So anyway, let's turn this down. Shouldn't be on at all. There we go. I'm Father Larry Richards, and this is Anchored in Hope, the podcast we do on a weekly basis normally that we just ask questions of anything you have about the faith. We do it through email, and we do it through those of you who are watching live by asking questions on the comments bar. On the side there, you just type it in, and I see it, and then I will get to as many of you as possible if there's any questions that actually come in today. Um, I am going to pray. How about we do that before we do anything else? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we love you. We love you. Because we know that you love us, that you gave us Jesus, your only son, to die for our sins and to save us. And we are so grateful, Lord, that everything you've done, you've done for love of us. May everything we do be done for love of you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may always live your will and that we may always please you. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Again, welcome everybody who's watching, and uh, welcome everybody who's um, going to turn in, turn, tune in to us later. Uh, like I say, last time I was here, we just got back from Italy, and now I'm getting ready uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. You can watch. We have praise and worship at our parish on the YouTube stand- channel, uh, the same one, at from 7 to 8 Eastern, where we just come as my parish, and we just praise and worship God for an hour. And then afterwards, we have our Pints with Padres, uh, which we don't uh, send live anymore it's just for the people who are there so it's a more intimate thing for my parish and then um, I have to get into in the car and then drive down to Pittsburgh and get there about 11 o'clock got a hotel for tonight and then um, I leave early in the morning to go out to Tucson Arizona uh, to do a men's conference there this week so if there's anybody watching in that area Phoenix Tucson um, I guess Phoenix is a couple hours away, but hey, you can come in, uh, to a men's conference in Tucson. You just go to our website, The Reason for Our Hope, and it'll tell you where I'm going to be down there in Tucson. Um, I forget the name of It's going to be in a parish down there. And let me tell you exactly. St. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ann Seton Catholic Church in Tucson. That's on Shannon Road. We're going to be in the Skull Gym. And um, 
Registration begins at 7.30, and then I start speaking at 9.25, and I give two talks. One, be a man, and then two, be a saint, and then they take me right to the airport, and I get back on the plane and um, come back to um, Pittsburgh, get a 12.30 at night. It's ridiculous, 12.30 a.m. Sunday morning. I get a hotel for a couple hours, and then I... Uh, drive back up to my parish to say the masses. I have the 7 o'clock mass uh, and followed by confession, 7 p.m. that night. And I have the 11 o'clock, of course, which is live streamed. And then I have to drive back to Pittsburgh, get another hotel, and then fly to Portland, Maine. Originally, I when I was booking the, the thing, it was Portland, Oregon, so they had to fix that. Mary Therese fixed it and made it all well. But I'll be in Portland, Maine uh, this week, and I'm going to not actually be in, I'm flying in and out of Portland, but where I'm going to be next week, for those of you up in the main area, I'm going to be at Prince of Peace Church, Prince of Peace, which is uh, consisting of five parishes, the Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul, Holy Trinity, Holy Family, Our Lady of the Rosary, and Holy Cross. And it'll be at the Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul on Ash Street in Lewiston, Lewiston, Maine. So again, if you're up in the Maine area by Lewiston, I'm going to be up there for four nights next week. Um, each night is from seven to nine. The first night we speak on how prayer and I take you and teach you how to pray. The next night we focus on the family and it's done in the context of mass. The third night is done on um, uh, confession. I do my passion talk and the last night is healing and adoration. So if you're up in that area, I encourage you to come to the mission. And then that uh, Saturday, I'm going to be in Portland, Maine to do the men's conference up there. So I'll be there on Saturday. Uh, I don't have the exact place, but I'm sure I will have it. But I'll be in just put men's conference up there and you'll see it for next Saturday. So this Saturday, I'll be in Tucson next Saturday in Portland, Maine. So I encourage you to come if you're in those areas. It'd be great to have you. Please come and uh, say hi to me and tell me you're watching and all these different things. And it'd be great to see you. Okay, so let's get right. We don't have any uh, questions here live. Um, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. Uh, it seems to be working. Usually people come on, started streaming four minutes ago, but there's nothing there. So who knows what's going on here. Anyway, we'll do the questions from here uh, that I got right here since there's nothing streaming on my website for whatever reason. So here's a question comes from Janet, and it says, Greetings, I have a question. Is it okay to wear your medals with your crucifix together on a chain, or should they be worn on separate chains? I was told it was disrespectful to wear them together. I don't know who told you that. People are um, judgmental, I guess. That's the best way for me to say it. you know. But of course you can wear... I wear them. I got, I'll just do it on mine. Okay. I don't know. No, I got mine. Thank you, Mary Therese. Mary Therese just come and said, for whatever reason, it's on her, but not on our website here. So I'll find out what's going on and just bring up my stuff here, and I'll get to know the rest of your stuff. 
what's going on. Anyway, so what we want is to, uh, you can wear anything as long as you're wearing a medal. I have on my uh, cross, I've always wore all my medals there. So for all these years, uh, and for someone, with, if they were to sit there and tell me, oh, I'm sorry, but it's, uh, that's disrespectful. Well, stop being judgmental. Mind your own business. This is between me and Jesus <laughs> so, and the saints. So in any way, shape, or form, oh, is it wrong? No. Do it. I'm just glad you are doing it. So that's great. Okay. So I have no idea why this uh, isn't working on here. Let me redo it here. And let's go here and see why it's not doing it on my thing. Anyway, Chris Walker's here, and Chris says, Hi, Father Larry, I have trouble with discipline and excessively seeking comfort. How much can one learn to discipline their actions? Again, I was never a big discipline in my own life until the Lord really just took me to the next level. And I think that's what has to happen for all of us. It has to be something the Lord does. As long as we're surrendering ourselves and saying, Lord, help me. And then we do it and we do it for a reason, not just for us. We do it for our families. We do, you know, people are saying, you know, they're trying to give up smoking. I'm sure that's not your issue, but they're trying to give up smoking. And I say, when you keep failing, yes, Father, I say, I want you to sit there and start doing it for your family. You know, don't let it be selfish. And then it's amazing how you can get to grace then to do it because now you're doing it for a selfless reason, not a selfish reason. And so the same with all of us. If you just sit there and you keep surrendering and saying, Jesus, I want you to live your life in and through me, of course he will. And Jesus is disciplined. You might not be, but he is. So get out of the way. Let Jesus live his life through you in Galatians 2.19, as I've talked about throughout all these years. So again, being a Christian isn't about doing discipline or Christian things. It's about letting Jesus Christ live his life in and through you. And that's a, a constant struggle because we always want to be in control. But we got to always give control over to Jesus. So hopefully that helps you. Um, let's see here what's going on. Okay. I have no idea why we're not getting what we're getting here. Anyway, so let's just keep going here. Hi, Father Larry. Paul says hi, too. That pagan. He is listening with me. Very good. It's about time. They were with me down in uh, where they were in Italy with us. So, Paul, you better be doing what you need to be doing. You better not be cheating. I'm coming out there the 17th of January. I'm going to spend a week out there. And so I'm going to see you. So you better be very, very healthy. No more excuses. Well, I'm on Italy. I'm on, I'm on here. I'm going to start as soon as I come back. You better start today. When I see you in two months, you better be unbelievable because you finally did as I told you. You read that book and you did everything else. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Is the scapular effective even if someone has it enrolled in it? Of course it is. I mean, again, we got to stop thinking of uh, religion 
is a ritual. It's a relationship. I mean, God isn't caught up into all this stuff we get crazy caught up in. I mean, it's like, does God hear my prayers? He always hears your prayers. That ain't the question, but I hear it all the time. Well, I'm a sinner. How do I know? Because God is love. That's how we know. Think about it. Think about the nicest person you've ever met in your life and make God a billion times nicer than that person. That doesn't mean he's like nice, nice, nice. It means he's love, love, love. Huh? So, of course, of course, you can wear a scapular, uh, even if you're not enrolled in it. I did way, well, maybe not. I was enrolled in it in, uh, after my first communion. So, um, but again, it just shows your love of our Blessed Mother. It's not a, uh, a superstition. It's just a sign of who you belong to. You belong to the Blessed Mother, and that's one of the greatest things ever. So, yes, don't worry about it. Wear it. Let me see here. It still isn't working. I don't know why. Anyway, hope you have safe travels. Me too. Is spiritual communion equal to sacramental communion? It is not. Can someone who supports abortion like Joe Biden make a spiritual communion? He can. Um, why? Because God always, see, God always reaches out to the sinner to convert them. When we look at someone like the woman caught in adultery, the word of God said clearly that she was to be stoned, killed because she broke the law. And so the same with someone uh, who believes abortion, which to me is the greatest evil there is on this earth. But again, unless God comes into our hearts, we cannot convert, we cannot change. What we do, you know, so many of us are just sitting back and judging Biden and saying, you can't go to communion. When it comes right down to it, neither can you and neither can I because we're all selfish people that live life our ways. And we might have different sins. You know, again, like I was saying to some people at the CMLA, Jesus does not say those who help someone who are pro-abortion will go to hell forever. We say that, and we believe that, and there's a lot of good reasons for it. Jesus says, who will go to hell forever, as I was hungry and he gave me no food. So, if we'll go to hell because we don't take care of the poor, should if we don't take care of the poor, should we be going to communion? Because if Jesus explicitly says that if you don't, you're going to hell. I was hungry and he gave me no food. I was thirsty, he gave me no drink. I was alone and he didn't visit me. This is pretty explicit. Jesus, who is God, the judge of the living and the dead, the one all of us will stand before on judgment. This is what Jesus says. Not what a cardinal says, not even what the Pope says. This is what Jesus says. And so we got to sit there. It also talks about if you have anything against anybody else, let's say you haven't forgiven somebody. You cannot and you should not receive communion because you bring judgment upon yourself, right? Very simple. So that means every time, that's why we have the sign of peace before we go to communion. And it's not just so have, you know, kiss your wife or someone and feel happy, happy. It's about, this is a sign that I am at, uh, at peace with everyone. And I forgive everyone. So again, if you refuse to forgive somebody, you should not go to communion. You can bring a judgment upon yourself. And so again, I have never stopped anyone from not having commun given communion. I sit there and every week I say the same thing. You need to be Catholic and in a state of grace. Okay? Because why? Because if I, if I do the judging 
and I sit there and say, no, you can't because of this. I don't know what's going on. They could have just went to confession, and I didn't know that, and I made a big judgment. You know, a lot of people, well, if they're pro-abortion, and that's an explicit reality, and everybody knows that, uh, they're causing scandal. If you don't take the care of the poor, and everybody knows that, you're causing scandal, huh? If you refuse to forgive people, and I'm a good Christian, you're not a good Christian if you refuse to forgive people. In fact, if you refuse to forgive people, again, Jesus says, when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, if you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. So what does that mean? You will be damned forever because you refuse to forgive somebody. Now, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And yet, I know priests, I know people that go to daily mass who do not forgive people and they receive communion and they judge Biden. Well, neither should be happening because, again, when someone receives communion unworthily, whatever that unworthiness is, God is the one to judge them. And then, again, I've read this to you before, but we see here, just so everybody comes again, this is 1 Corinthians, and in 1 Corinthians... Chapter 12, here we are, chapter 11. And again, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is what it says. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord, communion, unworthily, will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord because we're receiving God. A person should, this is verse 28, a person should examine himself and eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks a judgment on himself. That is why many among you are ill and infirm and a considerable number are dying. If we discerned ourselves, we would not be under such judgment. So Jesus tells us if we receive him unworthily, it can kill us. The bread of life can become the bread of death. So why we go crazy about who can receive communion, who can't, God judges their heart. And that's why I warn people, don't go to communion if you're not in a state of grace because you can get sick, you can die because that's what the word of God says. So why we sit back and be the ones that judge everybody else and yell and scream and carry on, I yell and scream for a lot of things. And I used to yell and scream about a lot of these things. But that's not my place, it's God's place. My place is to reconcile people and to try to get them there. So to fast and to pray for them. Let God do the judging. Let me do everything in my power to save people. Huh? Again, if you went to daily mass today, um, think about what the daily mass. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure everybody who's watching me went to daily mass. But in case you didn't, the readings for today, Paul talks about uh, none of us lives for oneself. None of us dies for oneself. We live for the Lord. And Christ died and came to life that we might be, he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. Then this is what it says. It says, and this is chapter 14 of Romans. Why then do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you look down on your brother or sister? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, Okay, and then, so Jesus says we can't judge. And then we go to the um, Luke, which is 
you know, Luke chapter 15, which is the prodigal son, which we'll get to tomorrow. But here we begin with the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Huh? And so what he's saying is, is that the type of people we are? Paul says, you know, where he tells us, why do you judge your brother and sister? Why are you doing it? And uh, we don't answer that. We just go on and think about all the people who are bad and they're pro-abortion and they're going to hell. And that's very true. But we are not the people to judge that. Paul says, why are you doing it? You deserve the judgment of God too. I just think it's going to be so interesting at the end when we who thought we're going to go right to heaven go right to hell because we are righteous. And again, the measure with which we measure, we measure back with us. So if we're just saying that person will go to hell, you just damned yourself. Because now the measure you just measured them will now be measured to you. You see, when it comes to following Christ, it's about the cross, it's about him dying for our sins, about him leaving holy heaven and beginning into our skin, which was skin, which is sin, not for him, because he took from the blessed mother, but he sat with us, he ate and drank with sinners. We separate ourselves, and again, it comes from Paul, it's pharisaical, not in a bad sense, but it comes from his thing about we have to separate ourselves from sinners, but Jesus didn't do that, he ate and drank with sinners. And so he tells them the parable of the, the, the prodigal son as we'll hear tomorrow. So it's just stuff that we got to keep looking at and think, who am I? You know, when the Holy Father said about who am I to judge, which was taken out of context, of course, that's really for all of us. Doesn't mean we don't judge the actions. It doesn't mean we say, well, abortion's okay. It doesn't matter. Of course, it's not okay. Of course, it's the greatest evil on this earth to kill a child. Of course it is. But God's going to do the judging. No one's going to get away with anything huh? if they don't repent of it anyway. We all get away with everything if we repent. That's the issue, isn't it? Who do we know the first person who got to go to heaven after Jesus? Yeah, the good thief. Everything was bad. I always tell people, too, I mean, the get out, of, uh, uh, get out of jail free card is when you and I sit there and we go to confession. Let's say you were bad your whole life. You were a murderer, a rapist, and everything, and you repent of all that five hours before you die, and you go to confession. You can go right to heaven. Isn't that a kick in the teeth? But it's what Jesus does for us, not what we do for him. But everybody, what we do to others will come back to us. We just will. In so many ways, it's ridiculous. The, that which we sow is what we're going to reap. So just, again, uh, not, I, what, I, what I am saying here, no, what I'm not saying is here, is that Joe Biden should go to communion. He should not go to communion, period, because of his stand. Now, for us to be sitting there making this the biggest issue of our day, that's not the biggest issue of our day. You know, so, but he should not be gone, and we should stop him from going so he doesn't bring judgment upon himself. But he does, and he will. And God, oh, he doesn't let anyone get away with anything if they don't repent. So, just so you know. Okay. Do, 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 do. Let's go on. What airline do you use? American is Erie to Charlotte. 
Yes, I've been, I'm a platinum flyer on Delta, though. That's the problem. And I was on Delta all these years. I even wrote to the president of Delta and to say, when you're coming back, there's a lot of us that have been very faithful in Erie all these years. And he says, we don't know if we're ever coming back. But he answered me like within four hours, which was pretty good. And it came from his own thing because he did it on his cell phone. But that's why I have to drive back and forth. And I'm writing the thing of all this. I don't, I don't know if I, if I transfer over. I just don't know yet. That's the whole thing. So there's so much else going on in my life. That's just some of the thing. I know save the drive. Absolutely. How many archangels there are? I just picked them up. I have no idea. There's, you know, the archangels we have, seven or eight is what this one group says. But could there be more? Of course there can be more. I'm not big into telling God how to do things uh, and how many things, you know, how many angels in that they are. It's like, hey, whatever we do, we do, but I don't know. So tell them sorry, Father Larry. Um, doesn't know how many angels or archangels there are. I have no idea why this is problematic today. Okay, let's go on. Hi, Father. Our family loves watching your daily mass. Thanks. It's the perfect length for our young children. We enjoy the message you have. Thank you very much, Cameron. Uh, my question is that my mother miscarried one of my siblings, my baby, and the baby was never baptized. Is that sibling in heaven? Most resources I can say say they went to limbo, which is not very comforting. Limbo is not the official teaching of the church. It's a theological opinion. Pope John Paul the Great, the great, great Pope says they went to heaven. <laughs> Please, I don't buy limbo. I never have. It just doesn't fit me with a glorious God and a loving God. So for those of you who love to hate and love to say, well, see, he's not a good Catholic priest. Well, then go and be judged the way you judged me. But let me tell you, it's not the official teaching of the church. That's why I talk about babies. Who were the first babies we know that went to heaven? They were not baptized. The holy innocents, correct? Well, they were baptized in their blood. Yes, correct. And so there's three types of baptism. Baptism of water, baptism of desire, and baptism of blood. So these babies didn't even know what they were doing yet in their own blood. They died, and so we call them the holy innocents, saints in heaven. And so none of them were baptized, and yet they all got to go to heaven. This is the God that we preach and we believe. There have been some theologians throughout the years that have given speculation. And the reason they give the speculation is because explicitly it says in John 3, 5, no one can go to kingdom of heaven unless they're born of water and the spirit, which is baptism. So, so if a baby isn't baptized, see, they can't go. And again, if they had the desire, if they, if they got to have life and they desired it, could they go? Well, of course, well then. Don't you think God loves these children more than you and I do? Think about the ogre we make, Almighty God. Because we take a scripture verse and we say, it, we can't go against this. Well, you can when you're looking at all scripture. Again, if, if you want to take scriptures explicitly like that, Jesus said yesterday, no one can be my disciple unless you renounce all your possessions. So, how many people do you think would be in church if you had to give up all your money, all your house, all your car, everything? 
And then it says yesterday that you have to hate father, mother, sister, brother. So if we took that explicitly, none of us would own anything. We'd all hate our families, right? So you can't take things explicitly like that and do a whole theology on that, though we have tried throughout the years and put our, painted ourselves in corners. But God is bigger than all this. Please, please, please know that if you think good things and what, well, I wouldn't do that. How much more does God think those things? Huh? Where do you think it came from, your, your desire to sit there and think that God would not take and give that, put that child in limbo? Please. God is so much bigger. And if I wouldn't do it, you think God would do it? And I am a miserable human being, as many people will tell you. So again, I just don't buy that stuff. Don't buy it. Okay. See what, just do on Google what Pope John Paul II said about people not baptized and babies. Okay. Here we go. Jason, do you have any advice on going to confession when you don't have any mortal sins to confess? Ah, oh, Betsy, I could find some on you, Jason. But just areas that you want to work on. Can those confessions be more general? Or do you need specific examples? You need to be specific. People drive me insane when they come in and say, oh, whatever, general. You can't get help. I can't help you on general things. In confession, and ask be specific. But always focus on not yourself. I mean, it drives me crazy. People come to confession, and it's all about them. And, you know, I'm not perfect, and I'm a great sinner. We all know it. You don't have to tell me. I can tell as soon as you walked in. The greatest sins, according to Jesus Christ, are sins of omission right? What we have failed to do. But again, hearing confessions now for the last 30 years, 32 years, everyone talks about their sins of commission, but not their sins of omission, except I missed mass on Sunday. And according to Jesus, again, as we go back to Matthew 25, which I've already talked about, it's our sins of omission that sent us to hell forever. So when you go to confession, you should make a good examination. What am I not doing? Am I taking care of the poor? Does 10% of my income off the very top go to the poor? Am I putting other people first? Am I selfish in my spiritual life or am I selfless in my spiritual life? And those are the things that, Ryan, don't bother me in the middle of the talk. What's the matter with you? Anyway, Ryan Palmer. Anyway, the reality is that we cannot be um, focused on ourselves. We need to only look at our sins to repent of it, but then not keep us. You know, again, remember I told you a couple of weeks ago or last week, again, God knows our sin, but he calls us by our name. The devil knows our name, but he calls us by our sin. What do you call yourself by? I call myself a sinner, Father. Yes, a sinner saved by grace. Now focus on the grace. Acknowledge your sin. Humble yourself before God. Repent of your sin. And then live as a beloved child. Then that's where I can help you. That's where we can say, well, what are you doing? Tell me about your prayer life. That's always the question I ask everybody when I have time with them in confession. What's your prayer life? And then they'll say, well, I say a rosary every day. Very good. The devil can say a rosary every day or an atheist can say a rosary every day. So what? I spend time in adoration. Very good. You can be an atheist and spend time in adoration every day too. I go to daily mass. You can be an atheist and go to daily mass. And they say, Father, we hate you. Oh, join the crowd. In your prayer, you need to be listening. Because if not, all you're doing is trying to get God to do what you want him to do. And that makes him your slave. 
You go to prayer to know his love, one, two, and to know his will so that you can live it. So then you need the grace to do that. But I would say most of you that are watching me or listening to me are asking God just to give them what they want. You should, and I should every day, Lord, what do you want of me? And then shut up long enough so he can tell you. And again, we don't want to do that because then he's going to tell us that we have to love our enemies. Huh? Then he's going to tell us we have to forgive everybody. Huh? Then he's going to tell us we have to take care of the poor. Huh? And those are things we don't want to do. We just want to do the holy things that make us feel holy and make us look holy and all that kind of stuff. So you got to look at all those things. You got to listen in prayer. So those are the things. And so say, Father, can you help me in my prayer? How can I listen more? And and I can help you. You know, Father, I get angry. Okay, so what is it in your life that's making you angry? Tell me about your anger. And then I can sit there and say, well, anger, you know, is a symptom of a deeper hurt. You're either hurt or you're afraid, and that's the way you're protecting yourself. So what is it you're hurt or afraid of that we can then deal with the problem of anger? It's much deeper. You know, again, when people come to confession and they go off and rarely do they say, I have to confess my pride, Father. But that's, I pro, and I always tell people, if they say, no, I don't have pride, I go, ah, it's your core sin. What? I don't, I, ah, and you just proved it's your core sin. It's doing things your way instead of God's way. A person of humility would say, yeah, it's my greatest sin, Father. Period. You see? I'm just telling you. That's why people go crazy with me. I know. I go crazy with me too, in case you're wondering. Okay, here we go. Good afternoon, Father. Safe travels. Thank you. Please pray for me because uh, that's my whole week. This next two weeks, I'm just, I come home a couple hours and I drive back to Pittsburgh or Cleveland and get to the, to get the plane. It's just not uh, been good. But anyway, hi, Father. How do we explain the church's position on same-sex attraction with charity? Same-sex attraction is something that people can deal with. It's not sinful. It's if someone's acting out on that same-sex attraction. That's when it's sinful. And the way is, because again, years ago, I mean, I've dealt with this, of course, all my priesthood in dealing with people like this. And when I was in, uh, you've heard the story before if you've ever heard me, when I was at uh, Penn State Barron as a chaplain, one of the biggest groups there at this time was, um, and this is 20-some years ago now, I can't believe it, but anyway, was this Trigon. It was a gay, lesbian, whatever thing. And they were interviewing my kids after, uh, as I was hearing confessions on a Sunday night after Mass, and they're crucifying them because the kids are trying to fight with them. And that doesn't work, you know? I mean, how can we say God hates you? We become these nutty people that go up and say God hates fags. Is that what we're about? Because if it is, don't call yourself a follower of Jesus because Jesus died for fags. Thank you very much. Our job is to bring people to conversion. And don't call them those names. I was just saying that because that's what their signs say but we should never, ever, ever call people by that, just as an aside. But anyway, so our job is to love everybody, even our enemies. So when we're dealing with people with same-sex attraction, we got to talk to them first about the deepest need in your heart is to be loved. And the only one that will fill that deepest need is Jesus. The problem is most people, even who go to Mass all the time and are good Catholics, 
They're following the rules, but they've never had an experience of being loved by Jesus. So it's hard for them to share that with someone else. So anyway, this guy comes to me, and after they're saying, Father, they're killing us out there, uh, and I said, wait till I come out. So I came out. And the guy came up to me and put the microphone in my face and the camera in my face. Can we interview you, Father? And I said, of course you can. And they said, uh, do you believe uh, homosexuals can go to heaven? And I said, yes. What? Do you believe it's a sin? I go, yes. So is sex before marriage. So is missing mass on Sunday. So is getting drunk on purpose. So is not taking care of the poor, etc., etc., etc. They're all sins. And if you're having sex before marriage, you'll go to hell is just as fast as someone who's having uh, homosexual sex. Same place, same hell, same uh, punishment forever. Just so you know. And so, or if you're in a bad marriage or if, just fill in the blanks here, people. There's lots and lots of reasons we all deserve damnation, just so you know. Anyway, so that's why it's, when we start thinking about throwing stones, I think, eh. anyway, he says, let me tell you. And at that time I had, at least four friends who had died of AIDS. Because remember, that was a very big thing everybody was dying of. And I says, every single person that I ever knew, the only thing they wanted was to be loved. And the guy who was interviewing me asked the cameraman to turn off the camera, and he started crying, and he says, Father, can you help me? I said, of course I can. What brings people to conversion? Our wanting to walk with them and help them or our judging them? Again and again, our judgment doesn't bring anyone to Christ. In fact, it sends them away from us, it sends them away from Jesus, and it sends them away from the church. And you and I will be judged by that. How many people have we turned away from God and from his church because of our judgment, because of our meanness? And let me tell you, I'm one of those ones that have screamed and yelled and carried on, and I'm ashamed of it. While I was in the midst of it, I always felt I was doing God's will. But in my heart, I knew I wasn't. It was people that were just as angry and upset with everybody in the world as I was. They just uh, supported me and they patted me on the back and they said, thank you, that's what we need. We need people that say it like it is and we need people to go and go after these people and that's what we need. We don't need any more of these wimpy priests. We need people that say it like it is. They're the ones that are the ones today. And I go, okay. But the more I've prayed throughout the years, the more I've got to know Jesus Christ personally. I just know that's not from him. It's from us. Oh, we have to challenge the world, and I think that's what I'm doing right now. I know that's what I'm doing right now. This is what the people don't want to hear. They just want us to all enjoy each other judging everybody else, but that's not a way of Jesus Christ. And so we got to go deeper here. So anyway, the guy came to conversion is what I'm saying. So what we do is we meet them where they are. We talk about their deepest need and we say, no one's going to love you the way Jesus loves you. And once they get to know the love of Jesus, then the other things like then sin, be, it's like eating a piece of uh, dog dung. Once you truly know true love, everything else can become selfish. So meet them there. 
talk to them about the love of God and how Jesus loves them. And then, boy, great conversion can happen. Okay. If you're eligible to vote, is it a grave sin if you didn't vote this past election? I did not vote this past election because I forgot. <laughs> it's not a grave sin. No. It's like I go, oh, I forgot to vote. It used to be right in my building in our church, and we uh, we stopped that and went down to the other church. And so I used to, uh, don't even ask, but, you know, people, again, it's like, oh, Father, you're going to hell. I'm going to hell for a lot of other reasons if I go there. It's not for that one. But anyway, okay. Hello, Father, from Wenatchee, Washington. My older brother has, I don't know, it doesn't go on. Sorry. Father Larry, are we going to be judged by God while we are alive? Not necessary when we die. Can you explain, please? Yes. The first penalty of all sin is that God gives us what we want. So, for instance, you commit adultery. Your spouse finds out, your kids find out, and they hate you. And you say, why do you hate me? Because that's part of the consequence of your sin. God allowed you to sin, but then there's consequences. And if those consequences aren't taken from us by Jesus on the cross, then the first consequence of every sin is God gives us what we want. Because we're free. So every sin has judgment involved in it, right? So because, again, let's go back to, I've said this before, but God says, if you do this, commit sin, and, and, and Genesis 3, you shall die. So if we don't die when we sin, then God is a liar. So if we embrace our sin, when every sin must be punished because God is a just God, when God goes to judge the sin, he'll judge us. But if we repent of that sin, then when God goes to judge the sin, his mercy will come upon us. So we determine what we get, excuse me, whether we repent, receive mercy, or whether we cling to the sin and receive judgment. So that's why those who cling to their sin, whether it be pro-abortion, whether it be alcohol, whether it be sex outside of marriage, whether it be any of them, then when God judges the sin, and we don't know when he does that, how he does that, but he'll judge us in justice. But if we repent, And repentance, again, people, remember what repentance means. It's not, I'm going to try to get this out of my life. That's not what repentance means. Repentance means I'm done with this. So again, you go to confession, you say, I yelled at my wife. What does that mean? I'll never yell at my wife again by the grace of God. Again, this is what is necessary to be forgiven. Repentance is more than I'm just sorry. It's I'm sorry and I'll never do it again by your grace. Now, in our weakness, we fall, but until the intention is there, I want this out of my life forever. Forgiveness can't happen. You know, when you say the act of contrition, it's, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more. Doesn't say to try to sin no more. To sin no more and to avoid the near occasions of sin. So that's what's necessary. Again, what people are saying, so that's just an important reality. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to some of these uh, email ones. I got a question. Is it okay to wear medals? Yes. 
Hello, Father. I pray the chaplet of divine mercy often, always inserting the names of people I'm offering a chaplet for I am saying the prayers. Very good. Even when doing this, I sometimes find my mind wandering or at times feel like I'm just reciting the words. I know that divine mercy chaplet novena has specific prayer intentions for each decade of the beads. Outside of that, what should a person be reflecting on when they say in the chaplet? They should be thinking about Jesus, reflecting on his love, re-looking at him again, I'm concerned that the rosary shop, it just becomes a ritual for you. It can become a ritual for me because I have to get it in because um, I promise, of course. And so it's just like the Lord slaps me sometimes and he says, uh, excuse me, you're talking to me, not at me. So when I'm saying Divine Mercy Chaplain, I'm focusing on people I'm bringing before him. I just imagine that Jesus is in front of me on the cross and that the blood and water is flowing out, and I'm just looking at him. It's all about Jesus' mercy, not about me and my prayer. So that's all. And again, if my mind starts to wander, you pull it back. Don't go focused on yourself. Don't let prayer become uh, prayer. It's a relationship, just like any other relationship. Just be with him. Don't get so crazy about whether you're uh, distracted or not. Just be with him, and he will grant great fruit to you. Huh? Don't take him for granted. Don't go through the motions. Just be with Jesus. Okay? Last one here for this. Why should someone do if they are experiencing scruples? And we've talked about this a number of times, that they need to be focusing more on the love of God and on God's presence in their heart and in their lives more than ever. Don't be focused on yourself and your sin. Be focused always on mercy again and again and again. Some people say just be patient with people and scruples. I don't agree. Sometimes all of us just need a kick in the butt and say it's time to grow. I'm not going to let you be scrupulous the rest of your life. Now, again, if you're really scrupulous in a, in a, in a way that you can't stop, you might need medication. And it's just very simple. It might be the mental issues in you that need help. If, but that be beside the point. Most people do not. They just stay focused on themselves because someone told them that they're going to go to hell for every one of their mortal sins they've ever committed. So they're always thinking, am I going to go to hell? 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 Keep thinking about yourself. That might just happen. Think about Jesus dying for you suffering on the cross and he sighed and he duff and he suffered on the cross to take away your sins be grateful don't be scrupulous one focuses on jesus the other thing focuses on you focus on jesus and great things will be able to happen okay so let me that's another one there <laughs> let's continue here And uh, what's another thing here? Sorry, people are texting me and everything else. I should just have this off. Okay, let's go on with more questions here. Hello, Father. Okay, that, uh, not necessary when we die. Dear Father, have you an opinion on salvation outside the Roman Catholic Church? There is no salvation outside. Well, first of all, you can't say Roman Catholic Church because there's Byzantine Catholics and everything else. There's a lot more than people under Rome. 
Uh, Christians, I believe, of course, go to heaven. The Catholic Church teaches in Vatican Council too that an atheist, if through no fault of their own, they are an atheist, have hope of salvation. So, as a Catholic, you must believe that people who are not Catholic can go to heaven because that's the official teaching of the church. Look it up in Vatican II. That being said, there's no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. The church is Jesus Christ. So, if anyone's going to be saved, they're going to be saved by what Jesus Christ did for them, not what the church alone did for them, what Jesus did for them. Sometimes people look at the church as the church is separated from Jesus. It is not, and it's not powerful. It's not this, you know, I came so close to leaving the Catholic church years ago because I thought if this is all we're about is power and, you know, cardinals wearing their dresses and thinking, look what I am. I'm a prince of the church. I'm not concerned about you being a prince of the church. I'm concerned about you being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm concerned about you being a servant of the people, the people of God. That's what I'm concerned about. So when people sit there and think about the church, the Roman church, oh, oh, people who believe this stuff don't even believe in the Pope. And the Pope sits there and says, we got to sit there and uh, all people. That's why he washed a a Muslim girl's uh, foot at the, uh, the very first week he was made Pope. We're here to serve everybody, and that's who we're called to be. I'm not the least bit interested in being part of a church who likes to just form a focus on their rituals. I'm interested in being part of a church who wants to bring salvation to all the world. That's why Jesus Christ was born. Jesus, it says explicitly in Matthew chapter one, you shall name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now you could sit there and say that was explicitly just for the Jews. Now God comes and says to Peter, he's doing this for all the Gentiles, for everyone who's once God wants to be saved. We must want the same. In my new book, The Lord's Prayer, I'm going to be speaking about this in the very first chapter. Some people are going to read the first chapter and throw the book in the garbage because they just think it's just them. I always love the story of uh, when Billy Graham, you know Billy Graham, who brought me to Jesus Christ, thank you very much. When Billy Graham dies, he comes before God, and he's, God's saying, come on, let's show you around heaven. And he's showing him around heaven, and he's talking, having a fine time, and then he gets to a very high wall, and he stops, and he says, shh. And they get real quiet as they walk in front of this wall, and they walk oh, however all down. And then uh, he goes, okay, now you can talk. And Billy says, why were we quiet? He says, because behind that wall is all the Catholics. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> you know? God is bigger than all of us. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? That's the whole thing. And I'm not saying you who asked this question don't get it. You ask my opinion, and that's one of my hot button issues. Can you tell? Sorry. <laughs> so there you go. But thanks for asking a question because I think we got to sit there and deal with it. Okay, God doesn't think the way we do. He is triple holy and just, also love. You got that right. God is also pure justice. There is no love without justice. There is no mercy without justice. There is no mercy without uh, justice. None of that exists apart from love because God is love. So all that's incorporated. So we're not just saying, go ahead and do what you want, please. 
Now, again, someone can take this. That's why I'm always afraid when I'm doing podcasts because someone can take part of one of my answers here today and put it all over and the people who hate me will sit there and send it out and we'll get millions of people to watch it because they'll say, see what Father Larry said without the context of the rest of it. These people who do this type stuff are not just, they're not also being honest. They're just showing their own side of uh, truth. And again, that's why I might say that anyone who's interested in truth will always show all sides. If you only show one side, you're not interested in truth. You're just interested in judgment and your own opinion. So anyway, let's go on. Thank you, Father. Thank you for helping us understand God's matches of hope. Yeah, there you go. Have hope right behind you, of course. Uh, yes, it does. Please, I know some of you always uh, put down uh, down things but get a like like this it would be helpful very much okay let's go on here you're not here to win a debate it might be better to plant a bug in someone's ear and lose the argument then argue for hours until they run out of excuses all this is true in general that's it and again the only one that's going to ever sit there and bring anyone to conversion is not me and it's not you it's not the Pope either. It's not the Cardinals. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. It takes grace. And grace is much bigger than any of us. That's why, you know, again, you do realize an atheist can baptize somebody if they're doing it with the ritual of the church. As long as someone's faith is there, they can go through the ritual and it's still a valid baptism, believe it or not as long as the person, someone there has faith, you know, but God, like, again, if you knew that someone was dying and you're an atheist and they asked to be baptized and there's no one there to baptize them, you can baptize them in the name of the church and they're truly baptized. Isn't that a kicker? Okay. Go, I can't read all this, uh, some man seven, but uh, thank. Okay, thank you for loving us and saying it out loud. <laughs> There we go. So, outside the church, there is no salvation. Well, you're wrong. Let me tell you that the teaching of the Catholic Church does not agree with you. So, if it comes between you and the teaching of the Holy Roman Catholic Church, which you just quoted, I will always go with the church. So, humble yourself and know that instead of arguing with me online. If you don't like this, then go do something else. Don't just sit here and come here and argue with me because I'm not the least bit interested. May almighty God judge you the way you judge everyone that's not in the Roman Catholic Church. There you go. Feel that, experience it, and may God really bless you in that reality. He said gently, kindly, and compassionately. Okay, there we go. Here we go. So, it's time for me to get out of here. I got to go see my shrink. You see why I need to see one? Please, I just got a call today, right before I came on for my sister. My mother isn't doing well. We might have to put her in uh, more constant care. Her Alzheimer's is getting, and she's getting combative. She isn't combative with me, but she is combative with many other, uh, my sister and my stepfather and... Um, so I just need lots of prayers, all this stuff going on and all this stuff in my family. And so I ask you to pray for me. Um, you know, do I deserve any of the prayers? Nope. Do I deserve damnation? Yep. 
Do I deserve all the bad? Yep. But I still have a God that loves me and loves you, a God of great hope. And that's what we got to focus on. huh? So let's experience the hope of God in prayer and let's bring the hope of God to the world. You got it? You get it? How are you going to do it? May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Now I have to show the outro.